I'm Danica Juarez. And I'm Jan James. And this is How's It Hold Up? Hi, I'm Danica. And I'm Jan. And I'm Valerie. And today we watched the Mamoru Hosoda film, The Boy and the Beast. Uh, this is the only one, barring the brand new one, that I hadn't seen. Uh, so I was very happy to get to see this one. Who would like to do a brief spoiler-free plot synopsis? Um, I'll try. Okay. So the movie starts with an intro about the Lord of this City of Beasts going to ascend. And there is a competition for who will take his place. They they mention a couple of people. One is an obvious shoo-in, but another is kind of talented, but doesn't have like the, the discipline and like the the support around him. So so we get that story, but then we see this kid who is on his own in a human kid in the area of Shibuya, and he um he's alone. We get a, a flashback of he's run away from his family because he lost his mom and he doesn't want to go with her family. Uh, his dad, who they're divorced, didn't come to see him. So he's on his own. At some point, the at some point he meets a little guy, a mouse or something, hamster or something. Uh, but it's just this little fluff ball that he calls Chico. Uh, so so he has that friend for the rest of the movie, uh, and then later he is sitting alone, and he he's not looking up, but we hear uh, a conversation between two guys about taking a pupil. So this kind of relates back to the intro that we saw. So one of the things they say is it can be anybody, uh, a dish rag, a human. And so the guy sees the kid and, uh, you know, asks, do you want to come with me? The kid uh, is dismissive and is like, you know, I don't want to talk to you, go away. Uh, So the, the guys leave and the kid seems to be actually intrigued. And so he goes to follow them. And on his way to following them, he uh, gets noticed by some cops to t- that want to take him back to his family. And so he runs away and he, you know, catches a glimpse of the, of who he thinks he saw. And it, he, through this chase, it eventually leads him to the city of beasts. And he uh, is there eventually meets up with a guy with a guy who wanted to train him Kumatetsu and he uh, becomes his pupil he lives in the city uh, there is um, obviously the relationship doesn't start off great but there seems to be something that they can both learn from each other and the kid grows up uh, some time passes and he becomes you know uh, his his best pupil and at some point he manages to make it back to the human world older uh not having gone to school he starts studying and meets this girl Kaede and so there's kind of this balance between what does he want to do and uh at some point the the uh competition for being being the next lord uh happens and Kumatetsu wins but then there is actually more to the film yeah, I guess there's lots of things that go so on. A lot of, there's a lot of stuff that yeah. happens. <laughs> um, yes. So, yeah. Uh, early, early thing, we, I recommend it. Yeah, like it was really good. Absolutely, I recommend it. Really enjoyed this. Yeah, I definitely recommend it. It's it's a good film. I don't know if 
this man's capable of making a bad film. So, <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's good. Let's get specific. And first, I need to tell you that the film's Japanese name is Bakamono no Ko, literally, the Bakamono's child. What is a Bakamono, you might be asking? And you and Valerie <laughs> may have <laughs> Valerie may have noticed that the word was used several times in the film. Uh, obake and Bakamono are a class of yokai, preternatural creatures in Japanese folklore. Literally, the term means a thing that changes, referring to a state of transformation or shape shifting. These words are often translated as ghost, but primarily they refer to living beings or supernatural beings who have taken on a temporary transformation. And these bakamono are distinct from the spirits of the dead. A bakamono's true form may be an animal, such as a fox, a raccoon dog, a badger, or a transforming cat, which are called ketsune, bakadonuki, mujina, or uh, bakaneko, bakaneko. Uh, a bak- well, banuki, is that a tanuki, a different? A bakadonuki okay. is the raccoon dog one. And okay. Trans- yeah, it's not the same as a tanuki. Interesting, okay. Yeah. A bakemono usually either disguises itself as a human or appears in a strange or terrifying form. In common usage, any bizarre apparition can be referred to as a bakemono or, ba- or an obake, whether or not it is believed to have some other form, making the terms roughly synonymous, synonymous with yokai. But yeah, that's a little bit about the bakemono, and that's what these are. They're referred to as beasts by our subtitles, but yeah. they are a bakemono, kind of like... Lou is not a mermaid, uh, but is a niño, so... Okay, okay. Okay. Um, but, yeah, those those are my fun facts. Let's talk about the story and characters. Um, yeah, I... I guess wasn't expecting the breadth of the story. Right? Uh, that when he mm, kind of grew point. up and went back to the human world, that was really surprising. Yeah, I was not prepared for that turn. And then I'm like, can he get back? And no, it seems like he easily gets back and forth. So then there's this... Like I said, uh, exploration of of who he is and what he should do for the, his future. Yeah, but interestingly, okay, he he arrives in the beast world when he's nine, and he goes back when he's seventeen. So I don't know if it's just a maturity level. I don't know if he didn't know how to go back before that. If I don't remember. What? Yeah, it just didn't seem to really come up. I, he didn't seem to think about doing it. I don't yeah, know. to me, it seems like. It was training focused, right? Like there was at least one scene where he was like, he's an adult now. He should be able to kind of choose what he wants to do. And so that would make me think that, oh, he has has more time on his hand, hands. Mm, and, and so he can do this exploration and, and go back and forth. Yeah. And to maybe having um, uh, Kumatesu, uh, him having so many pupils, that are people that want to be his pupils now, again, it frees up the time that he would have been Possibly, you know, yeah. doing things and taking care of things. Yeah, there was a lot going on with this. The opening with the, the flames and kind of laying the groundwork for the all war. the Bakamono stuff was interesting. Um, I liked them going on like a road trip and meeting the different masters and stuff. Oh, yeah. And, and then, yeah, like halfway through the film, it takes a turn and we're like meeting Kaede and seeing his dad and stuff. And I just like, I never could fully pin down what this movie was, <laughs> but I guess it's ultimately just about a boy and a beast and yeah. their own journeys in life. So, yeah. 
Yeah, another thing, I, I, there's not been a film of his that I have not ex- liked so much. He is amazing in his in his films in that, yes, you have your main characters, but I feel like he gave a lot of depth and nuance to even all the side characters. So there's so many characters I really like. Yeah. And even some that I initially thought, you know, or didn't have great feelings for or, or wasn't sure if I liked them. Um, by the end of it, I did. Yeah, it's like, I, I want everyone to be okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's what I want. Like, none of these people do I wish ill will upon. Mm-hmm. And, but yeah, just, oh, just, you all, just such a compelling story. This is amazing. Just It's so very, interesting. the structure is fascinating, because it's definitely not like your typical Western storytelling. Kind of, it, it just feels like stuff happens, and then more stuff happens, and it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily fully lead from one to the other beyond like time is passing and they're getting older, but then there's plenty of hints early on about things that eventually become relevant, uh, such as very early in the movie, there's this weird, creepy shadow thing that appears in, in the glass after, um, after Ren is like saying that he hates everyone basically and and it like repeats his uh what are you saying and then disappears and it's like what is that about i, I don't know we'll eventually find out and like, i totally forgot about it when it came back up I had yeah forgotten. like there's they 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 lay this groundwork for different things um yeah i don't know it's it's compelling definitely and i will also say this i mean the characters and ren like uh the main character uh, I initially, it, I mean, he was a kid, so therefore I had empathy for him, but I didn't really like him that much as a character. <laughs> and, and I... He's going through a lot. Yeah, yeah, I mean, but it's so well done. And and the journey and the nuance of his character and his growth and, and his relationship um, with, you know, Kumatetsu, just, yeah. Yeah, it's... I ended it's up fa- loving Ren. <laughs> it's fascinating seeing how they ultimately inform one another and like how they both change for the better because of being around each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's neat. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I also like the other two guys that were with them, Tatara and Tatara Hyak- is like a monkey. Yes. Uh, creature. And Hyakushubo? Yakushubo is is like this pig guy who's a monk or training to be a monk. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they kind of, Tatara was with uh, Kumatetsu. He was the one having that conversation with him. And then Yakushubo comes in to kind of protect Ren slash Kyuta early on in the film. And then he ends up hanging around with them. I my guess is to ostensibly continue to protect him. Yeah. But then they, you know, kind of become this this unit. Yes. Uh, that's, that's really nice. And then we've also got the other guy who's in the running become, to become the Lord, which is Yozen. And he has two sons, Jiromaru and Ichiro, Chi- Ichiro Hiko. And they're, they're interesting and evolve in... In some, in some of them in, in expected ways for me, and some of them in unexpected ways. <laughs> for sure. Um, Jiromaru was exactly what I thought he would be from the moment that I met him. <laughs> uh, but that's not an insult, because he's, he's fun. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's... 
There and oh, and then there's um Soshi, who's the Lord, and he pops up a couple of times. Delightful. Uh, he's delightful, definitely. <laughs> yeah, there's just like this fun, this fun wild cast, and like the these fun just like uh, anthropomorphic animal people just all over. Um, yeah, and Kaede was was interesting. So she yes. shows up. She shows shows up a, like a little before halfway through the film, basically. Yeah, whenever uh. Ren goes to the human world. He also just to clarify, Ren is also called Kyuta um, by uh, most of the people in the Bakamono world. Um, so just if at any point we say Kyuta, Ren Kyuta, same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he one of the things that we see in his flashback uh, about his mom is she has this book Moby Dick. So he goes to the library and is looking at that book. Uh, but he left the human world when he was nine, so he maybe has some trouble reading some of the kanji. So he asked this girl to help, you know, trans like read some of them. Uh, what does this mean? It means whale. Yeah, and then they end up meeting again whenever she is getting bullied by some kids uh, in her school, and and yeah, they they become friends, and she starts helping him study. And encouraging him to uh, apply for college. And so it's like, oh, this kid has options. Yeah. And, you know, what What will he decide? But then he's, like, spending more and more time in the human world. And so, of of course, uh, his friends in the Bakamono world are um, like, hey, why are you not here all the time? And <laughs> so there, there ends up being some push and pull and stress there of, like which people matter more to him who's he going to spend more time around what's he going to do um right because it's also not completely clear that he'll stay in the human world because at some point he finds his dad mm -hmm. uh, because when he wants to apply for college he needs to do some paperwork and he needs his dad or his dad's address to finish it and so he meets him after a long time and learns that his dad didn't abandon him and he was looking for him and so at some point he goes to have dinner with his dad, but, you know, I guess his dad said something that made him upset. I think it's just, it's, it's like the dynamic between him and his dad is very different from him and his father figure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he, he doesn't seem to know how to deal with that right now. Yeah. So, so then it, that kind of pushes him back towards the, the beast world. And so, yeah, it's not clear. Yeah, I mean, and somehow I don't remember if he, what the dad said. I, I initially did not like the dad because I felt like, I know this sounds kind of funny, that the dad kind of like let him on think. I mean, somehow he took the invitation to his, to like moving in with his dad. And I don't remember what it was said. I think his I, dad was just like over eager to reestablish their relationship. Yeah, basically. And so he literally left the, the, the beast world and had a big blowout uh, with Kumatetsu and um and then also it, it was we also find out that along with what um, Valerie was saying not only did the dad try to find him but the dad was not even informed that his mother had died and then you know when he was about to be sent to his um his mom's family again that's why the dad didn't come and 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 then apparently even after the police stopped looking for him the dad had continued. So, but I, yeah. I like that there's even like a hint towards 
the dad like not just abandoning also like at the beginning in his memory of like those people talking or whatever and he's asking about his dad and they're basically like he's he's divorced from your mom forget about him yeah and like no part of this family anymore right and so it's like the the desire for him to not be a part of the family seems to maybe be coming more from the rest of the family than him yeah yeah um, but yeah, there's that there's that awkwardness between them. Then, of course, um, and and then again, Ren not having been around him, you know, for it seems like even well before he was nine and his mom died, yeah, you know, on a regular basis. So yeah, um, but the reason that I initially didn't like the dad is because I feel like okay, initially the dad came on strong and like overcompensated and almost somehow made him feel like oh yeah come move in with me and then when he did he went to do that then the dad was immediately kind of like well, you know well let's take it slow i mean i i want to properly thank um the the man or you know who's been raising you or you know your uh, who's been taking care of you and let's just take this slow why don't we just have dinner and kind of was just like then backtracking and i'm like don't do that to him this is like he's he you know had this big blowout in the yeah. beast world because of you and now you're you know you're you're basically you know going back on your word and stuff so that's why initially i wasn't very happy with the dad yeah i guess i wasn't it wasn't clear to me i i guess i didn't read it as go backtracking but i also i don't think i did either wasn't sure but i don't like, remember why what caused it in terms of i think yeah uh, maybe it was i thought that he was bringing up living together at first and then ren was like acting like that was too fast and then he dialed it back yeah to like oh what about just dinner or whatever yeah or or maybe like the dad interpreted it as moving too fast so then he backtracked yeah and it and it and it felt to me like what was at the core of their their brief fight there is basically that when Ren does start trying to fight because he's upset about a thing his the his dad is conciliatory instead of headbutting right back yeah and that's mm-hmm. not what he is used to after being raised uh, by someone who only ever uh butts back yeah that that's interesting i i kind of just got it as like uh so in the in the film you see uh the reflection of him saying i hate i hate repeating that and then whenever the kid is brought is in the uh, beast world uh, Eozen brings up, like, oh, he can't stay here. He can't be your pupil. All humans have, like, a darkness in their heart that could consume them. And I thought that might have been, like, that kind of coming up of, like, it's it didn't go away because, you know, he ended up having a pretty decent upbringing. It, and it is coming up again because he still doesn't, that wasn't fully resolved with his dad about, like, you know, maybe it wasn't your fault, but he's still hurting. Yeah. Or that kid is still hurting. Or still feels maybe abandoned. Exactly, exactly. Or, so it's know. like, oh, maybe it's like, oh, it's so easy, you know, but you didn't come. Even though logically it's like he didn't know. Yeah. And I mean, he, after he leaves the conversation, he's basically out loud saying to himself, like, why am exactly. I acting like this? Like he, he knows that that he's acting out basically. Yeah. Um, so, so I, yeah, I, think I mean, I think, I think there's no reason it can't be both. So yeah, exactly. I, just, I, I, I think didn't... it's, I think it's all kind of just informing that. Yeah. And I, that's, it speaks to the emotional depth. I think of, of a lot of the movie is that when you really start thinking about it, there's like a lot of things 
that relate and can inform a scene. Um, and it's, it's a lot of that is just not as simple as you could easily read it as at first, which is some, some good emotional storytelling. I don't know. I think, yeah, I think, I don't know if it's the weakest part, but bringing in Kaede was interesting. Uh, it was just so unexpected. It, yeah. It took me a bit to like latch onto that part. Cause I just hadn't expected that to happen, but she's cool. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, so she acts as an anchor in that, uh, scene where he's kind of lashing out with his dad. He goes and sees her, but he's still kind of worked up in a way that frightens her. When uh, he's very threatening, he starts coming mm-hmm. at her and, yeah. and backs her into, like, a chain fence. Yeah, exactly. And so... And puts his hands on either side of her. Yeah. And not in a sexy way, in a scary way. <laughs> right. <laughs> So she slaps him, but then acknowledges, like... She, like, slaps him, and then, like, he steps back, and then she immediately, like, puts her arms around his neck and pulls him into a hug. Yeah, so she acknowledges that that this this feeling that he has is also in her, and so I think that's part of, you know, that the darkness in humans' hearts or whatever. So she's... Yeah, it's not like... It's not like humans are evil or just inherently have evil within them. It, I think it... It speaks more to the ability to just become overwhelmed by negativity and like negative emotions about a thing that that is difficult for you, or even hurt because yeah. because for her, um, it, it seemed basically that that she has two parents that don't that she does what they want that they don't seem to to care see about the real her, her basically. see the real her or care about her needs or, or i mean her other than her obviously they care needs. about what they want her to be exactly. not about not... her being happy or being her full self so she's basically just law i mean she's basically just doing going through life almost you know to please her parents and and not living her own life and her big dream is to to get an education so that she can be independent on her own and not have to be with her parents anymore, which is kind of a parallel with the whole reason little um, that that Ren, when he was that that strong-willed, just out of control, angry little nine-year-old, is he his goal was he wanted to be strong enough to be on his own so that he didn't need anyone. And you know, if you look at just and, and go back to which we will talk about, you know, I know more, but that that whole that darkness in all human beings, it's just that that hurt or that unresolved pain or hurt or whatever burden that you're that you're carrying. Yeah, and I think it wasn't quite uh, Ren wanting to be self-sufficient, wasn't it like he wanted to be able to come back at some point like it is I want to be strong enough and then I want to come back and. Kind of like show, defeat them or show them maybe something. I because. can't quite quite remember what it was, but it felt like a little bit more than just I'm gonna I'm gonna make it on my own. Yeah, and and I want to say it almost was also connected to the father, almost like that they were putting down the father. You know, and basically again, he's not part of this family, and it kind of like I want to show them because I just want to. I don't remember exactly, but I want to say he was even kind of trying to take up for his father in that conversation when they seem to be almost dismissing and kind of like, no, you're coming with us. You are kind of like you're ours now <laughs> type thing. And 
and it's kind of he's kind of like, no, I'm not. I'm my dad's, or you know, whatever. Um, okay, yeah, I can't quite but, remember, but yeah, it was a little bit more than that. But but yeah, a strong parallel of I am an individual. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and gosh, and you just even thinking about also then the parallel um, with with Kaede is that if he had, I mean, you know, just like if he had gone with his mother's family. It would almost like he would have, I feel like he would have lost himself and, and had to be what they wanted him to be, interestingly. Yeah. That's I, certainly what they clearly wanted, even mm-hmm. from that brief scene. Yeah, because they mentioned specifically that he is the only boy, mm-hmm. and so that he would be the next head or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But just real quick, going then back to the scene where you saying I, that was so powerful to me, that scene when he had, along the fence with um, Kayade, because instead of her being damseled or anything else, I mean, it, there was just, I love how not only did she kind of like snap him out of it, but she like fought through her fear to kind of like, stop, you're scaring me. But then that immediate hug of like, I understand why you're doing this. Oh, that was just so powerful. Yeah. And she gives him um, a red ribbon that she's been wearing, oh, yes. a red string to kind of uh, remind him to 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 ground himself that he's more than what those feelings are. Yeah. And this was this movie was so no, nuanced in so many ways when when Ray was young and he when he first came um to the beast world when he I mean initially he was so angry but when he decided to yes be a pupil or wanted to stay there um with again the guidance of the of the two friends too or or you know with them being around but he he just started copying every single thing that, that kumitetsu, uh, kumitetsu did, did. Yeah. and i mean just literally like movements and then i you know they never voiced it i don't think but you know how they talked about different powers or or things or gifts that people had his seemed to be I don't know if it was like a sixth sense or or an overhearing because at some point after copying everything that uh, Kumatetsu was doing, he discovered and realized that he, without even seeing Kumatetsu, he could he could hear and and copy. Yeah, he could and hear know the, what he was doing. He could hear the foot movements and know how how Kumatetsu was stepping mm-hmm. and imitated it. And then he was able to transfer that into being able to fight him and, and counteract his moves. And then eventually they trained together and he taught uh, Kumatetsu so many things. Yeah. Um, and then I also loved when the um, the Lord, uh, the, 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 I want to say I the think bunny lord. So yeah, the, the, the bunny lord or whatever. And then the, um, the boar, the other rival. Yozen. Yeah, were observing them, like was observing um, I think the two of them they training were talking about them, yeah. and talking about them. The the real or the noticing of um, the, the money lord, basically the the the, the rival. Yozen basically was like, "Oh look, the boys learned so much and grown so much," mm-hmm. and so she is like, "Oh, you think so?" Because I I think that Kumatetsu is the one who's learned and grown the most. Yes. That's exactly what I was getting at. I can tell. Thank you, and I'm sorry. I'm not very good at the names. Then who is Soshi? I don't know. I don't either. I'm just afraid that we're saying the wrong name. Mm. Well, he's the the Grandmaster. The Grandmaster. I want to say Soshi's someone else that I'm forgetting. Sorry. He's just a very chill character, but he looks like a bunny, and he's he's the big lord that's going to ascend to godhood. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, Kumatetsu is is 
so so interesting. He is brash, and they talk about the parallels. You know, like uh, Ren had no one. Kobotetsu had no one, and he had to uh, become strong on his yeah, own. Yeah, I mean, he's basically in, and you can basically infer that he is to some degree what Ren might be if he had to com- only rely on himself growing up and teaching himself things. Yeah. Um, and like, yeah, he becomes strong, but he's misanthropic and like uh, hard headed and like no one wants to really be around him. Um, and he can't get past, he's basically kind of plateaued in his strength. You know, he can't get past where he is because he's refuses to learn kind of thing. Whereas, with Ren, we see what he can become learning from this guy, learning from his friends, and eventually learning from Kaede and stuff, too. Like, he tries to be alone initially, but then ends up forming these bonds that make him learn and grow as a person in ways that he wouldn't have if he had to do it all on his own. Yeah, and he has and he has a willingness to, and he yeah. wants to become like. I love his just spirit and drive because he wants to become. I mean, give his all to whatever endeavor he's undertaking, whether it's it's learning, you know, how to fight, learning how to cook, learning how to clean, learning how to do laundry, or you know, eventually learning how to read. I mean, he just puts his hundred percent heart into it and just just gives it. In fact, that's what um, Kayede loved and says. I mean. She doesn't see herself as a teacher, but he's such a wonderful student, so it makes it almost easy for her. Yeah. I <laughs> I also just, I guess, want to say that even though we're talking about a lot of, like, deep themes and good character work and stuff, too, that this is also a movie where, like, a buff, burly bear man and a buff, burly pig man, like punch each other and our sweat <laughs> is flying everywhere and they're just like having a full-on brawl like it is also like a movie with a lot of like not even just action but just like kineticness to it and yeah. and and fighting but learning and just and silly expressions with so many of these characters like if there's it's a movie of many shades i guess well and oh sorry even and even symbolism because Initially, um, and I'm so sorry because I can't say it, but the the boar, the boar, um, Yozen, Yozen. Okay, Yozen. He literally looks like a Jedi Knight almost, <laughs> kind of, because because the way they're clothes, it, it's kind of you know the the pants with the with the. Um, I mean, I think it's fair to say that the belt. Jedi Knight design is in no small part based on samurai yeah so i think it's more fair to say that he has a samurai look going on okay okay uh but i guess where the symbolism comes in that i was going to allude to is that he's almost in white so almost like um where you see the reason that i think of jedis because obviously i'm a huge uh star wars buff but uh but when you see them training in the jedi and they're usually in like white or or something outfits and so he's in that looking like that and then but yet in contrast not that they have him in all black or looking evil but of course they have kumitetsu kumitetsu uh in in darker or darker colors and and more scruffy looking and so you know in contrast like almost like the good jedi versus the bad jedi or um or you know uh samurai and then 
And then also what's interesting, we talk about with some of these fight scenes, they start off in like their regular forms or whatever in like doing almost, you know, kind of like um, martial art moves. But then they turn into would say is their their full beast form where they they grow in size and then get on all fours and charge each other and 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 all kinds of stuff. Yeah. So yeah, very interesting. Yeah, and and uh, yeah, it's not like good versus bad more Definitely so not. than no, like no, I'm sorry. discipline yes. versus yes. Uh, yes. Uh not wild or like the kind of more I I, I think it's a, a trope of of, oh, yeah. of this kind of more gruff person who is maybe strong, but, you know, hasn't realized their full potential because they are undisciplined. Yeah. But also they almost make it, there's also a contrast between almost like a privileged, wealthy lifestyle versus a street savvy, poor, you know, because even you look at their, their two abodes. Yeah. One is yeah. almost like a hovel. And I also even think of like Aladdin, you know, street rat. So a street rat yeah. versus, um, you know, uh, an emperor or king or something, whatever type almost to me contrast. Yeah. I think the biggest thing though is all is just having close personal relationships. And it, and it's like, Yosin has like a bunch of people who support him, but doesn't really seem to have like friends or like a close confidant that like, he seems to have a wife, but we barely see her. He has two kids, but we don't often see them with him. Like he doesn't have someone that is, is pushing him and that he can confide in and that he can grow from. Whereas Kumitetsu, like, even after he's learned so much, he starts regressing once Ren leaves. But when Ren goes to the big the big fight or whatever to determine who's going to become Lord, and, and Kumitetsu's getting his butt kicked, Ren talking to him and, and encouraging him and, and, and their, in their way um, uh, is what makes him, him able to get yeah. up and, and fight and actually succeed. Like, he needs to have that support to succeed and he's even kind of yes they initially do their back and forth kind of you know uh tete-a-tete you know but then then ren starts almost giving him commands almost like um you know someone on a ringside boxer yeah. you know, a manager or whatever trainer would be like shouting you know you know lead with your rider or you know remember he's we we got us that whatever but he starts you know giving him almost directions that yeah that, that are really neat and help. <laughs> I also just this is a small thing, but at the um when Kumitetsu like wins the fight or whatever, it, it basically ends with a sword getting like flung and across the arena oh, and then it like so slams into the back of like the the grand lord or whatever's chair and at first he seems fine and then like Three seconds later, he suddenly has this really delayed reaction of like, oh no, like surprise, like, like slinking down in his in his chair. It's really but he amusingly let, he paced. Let out a hilarious. He did. It was wheel or something. It was, it was perfect comedic timing. Oh, it was yeah. so funny, right? Because you, yes, he's a delightful character. <laughs> of obviously powerful because he's able to like hop or or show up in places unexpected. And and they they yeah I want to mention him. a little bit of I want to I want to mention a little bit of what how they deal with him in animation but yeah he basically sometimes feels like he's Bugs Bunny almost or, <laughs> or one of the Animaniacs and he is a bunny so that's yes yeah, exactly right <laughs> um, okay one character thing that I also wanted to bring up so like this, this we've heard about the culmination of their of uh, uh, 
Kumatetsu's and uh, Ren's relationship. But like, and a little bit early on, but I think one of my favorite scenes is when Kumatetsu first tries to train Ren. Uh, this is before Ren starts mimicking him. Uh, and so Kumatetsu tells him, do, you know, A, B, C, like do this form, this form, this form. Ren just has to figure it out and he's doing poorly. And he's like, well, this is my first time. And you have, uh, you have Hakushubo saying like, you have to tell him what to do. And, and so, uh, Kumatetsu's like, will you go like, whoosh, or like you grip it, grr. And, and uh, Ren's like, grr. And he's like, no, more like, ah, and just like. They can't, the in this way, they really can't communicate. It's it's very funny. And it, then and then he's like, no, like there's like a sword in your heart. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's how he tries to be even more specific, and it's even less helpful. It's arguably, like you grab it by grabbing the sword in your heart. <laughs> it's like, what does that mean? Uh, and it's not it's a delightful. good teacher. He's no, not a, a terrible good teacher, trainer, or teacher. <laughs> Anything else with non-spoiler story characters before I uh, say my one thing about voice acting? No, but I have no doubt that I'll think of a scene afterwards because this was just so nuanced. But anyway, yes, no, go ahead. (laughs) I just wanted to point out that I'm very bad at recognizing Japanese voice actors and actresses. um, But one of the ones I do recognize is in here. And uh, that is that Jiromaru as an adult is voiced by Kape Yamaguchi, who is also uh, Ranma from Ranma One Half <laughs> and Usopp from One Piece. Okay. Uh, he's, he's definitely leaning more towards the Usopp with, with this particular voice. Um, but yeah, I, I recognize him. So. Oh, oh, the, the brother, the pig. Okay. Yes. Um, so yeah, just fun to hear him in there. Um, but yeah, I think everyone did a great job, uh, even if I'm very bad at recognizing if I've heard any of these people before. Yeah, no, uh, the uh, Grandmaster's voice was was beautiful. It was great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, just kind of, it just sounds, I guess, like an, a kind of comedic older guy. It's, uh, it's, it's in the vicinity of like a whimsical Yoda, but not the deep. Yeah. Uh, yeah more yeah. more of a high kind yeah, of. Yes. Got it. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk some about animation and stuff. It's fantastic. Yes. Um, yes. I, so I do have to say, though, the designs of most of the fantastical characters are great and fun, but it took me a while to come around on Hyakushubo. He, he's like a man that has, like, a pig snout and ears. Agreed. And it's just, he looks kind of <laughs> off-putting, and it took me a while to accept him. 100% agree. It was... It was a little, I think it's like the skin color is yeah. just like human. So it made it a it's little just more a, It was a little, uh, but you know, I immediately accepted his personality into my heart. And eventually I accepted all of him into yeah. my yeah, heart. For some reason he, he didn't, because I don't know. I looked at him more since, since he was immediately. And I think he said almost immediately something about, you know, being a monk or studying to be yeah. a monk. Um, then just, just with his design, I took, you know, that bald head. I, I, I just could picture a monk, you know what I mean? I don't know. Um, I like the typical, uh, you know, stereotypical or whatever things that we see, you know, of, you know, bald and, you know, in the robes and yeah. I don't know. And then I also need to talk about, about the, the Lord or whatever and his, 
one of the first shots that he's in, like, is this panning shot where he's over to the right and then it keeps panning and then he appears over to the left suddenly. Yes. And then, like, and then, like, someone's talking and he'll be, like, behind them suddenly. And I'm just like, this guy's a Looney Tune. What is happening? <laughs> I it's, love it. It's very good. And then I also, this is my most important, um, my most important note, and also it's kind of wordy, so uh, apologies ahead of time. Beefy boys. Oh, <laughs> oh they were so funny. They oh my god. Specifically written down at the point at which they transform in their first like fist fight. And they're just these big beefy boys just pushing against each other. Yeah, I love yes. that uh, Yozin like, had hoofs instead of uh, feet. It was it was interesting to see kind of the the amalgamation of the characteristics when they transform, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it is amazing to me how adorable you can make a little furry fuzzy white I want thing one. that hardly I mean it, other than its little face and all, but it is the cutest thing on the on the face of the earth. In fact, it reminds me of I guess I guess in. Um, is it in Totoro that, that have the 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 um, fuzzball, the soot sprites? Yes. You know, and they're just black with the little eyes. But this is just like this. There's little There's also white. The, like the little Totoro guys. Like ones, there's this little white one that's yeah, like yeah. got like eyes and then a shape, and that's like mm. it. But yeah. Chico reminded me, I guess, almost of a, a little hamster is what his little. But but he, but I love because he had the little longer little fur. So I don't know, but it was the cutest little <laughs> thing. <laughs> what are you? And, so and, cute. and more often than not, he would just be in Ren's hair. Like, and Ren had dark black hair, and so just you would see little Chico like just in the front of his hair or something. It's like, look, Disney. So, this is how you do the cute animal sidekick. So don't have them taking up a bunch of screen time and like being obnoxious and fun for the kitties just like a little adorable thing that's like in frame a whole lot and but doesn't mess with anything it's just like this cute adorable yes. little thing you get to yes. see it eat a couple times yes. how cute is. Yes. So and good. he's like a, a sunflower kernel yes. it's, so it's like a typewriter it's of almost no consequence to the story and yet if you took it out i'd be so I sad i know i know i said of almost yes <laughs> um yeah. Yeah, because so there's something in spoiler that I'll talk about that was that made it even more heartbreaking in, in, in the spoiler part. But yeah, this I mean the animation in this is gorgeous. It's really um especially when you're in the Bakamono world is really like colorful and vibrant. Um when they when they have the fights and stuff, there's a lot of really kinetic movement and stuff and a lot of like kind of not even just freeze frames but like it's it's a little slower when like certain big hits happen and stuff and like have like a long shot of his him kind of looking ridiculous as he's punched in the face and is reeling from it yeah different stuff like that yeah, to just Kum- emphasize kumatatsu had tons of interest like really oh, yeah. fun expressions kumatatsu and- is a kumatatsu is a as a character of just constant Big expressions and emotions. Sometimes his fur is yes. all down. Like, yes. Uh, yeah. He's so a good. sweaty boy. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, he can look very menacing when he's mad, but then he breaks into that goofy smile. Oh yeah. my gosh. And you know what else was just really amazing um, and well done is the contrast between the worlds because 
not only with yeah. color like you alluded to, but I love like and and so realistic looking because sometimes when they he would go and it would show a pan or coming into the city, it looked literally real. I like I felt like I'm looking at a cityscape or or a real live action movie where you're going into the city, um and and then the coziness almost of the Beast World where it was you know almost. I don't know, cobblestone streets, but, but how the streets would wind. And it was more of the feel of like being in what I see, I don't know, pictures of like being in Paris or London or somewhere where you're, you've got the narrow streets and, and like businesses or houses that, you know, you can almost step off to from these winding little streets and roads. One of the most interesting things that, that it did earlier in the movie was, was try to kind of put the camera around where this nine-year-old's head would be and then like swerve around and through like crowds and stuff mm, yeah. and that, i i i found that to be mostly pretty effective and, and pretty interesting yeah and related to early on um they would show um security cameras yes. um they would show where the cameras are and then sometimes you'd see footage following ren from the camera's point of view like digital and I, and I thought that was interesting in the city, and then it didn't, you know, come back until he went back to the city in a, in a really, you know, important and interesting way. So that was a, a cool way to establish it, and it wasn't too too obtrusive, but but it was enough when it came back. It was it was really impactful. One thing, the uh, the designs for the the other uh, sages was very interesting and, and honestly the meeting the sages was delightful it was you know again it was a, a pilgrimage but with the 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 span of the film shorter than i expected you know you got what you needed but yeah, but yeah like that wasn't the point of the film so they went through that quick and then they got back home yeah yeah interesting oh I like the the uh, character designs of just the other beast people. There was like three punks oh, yeah. uh, who were like, "We should sell the like we can skin this kid and sell his hide to some man." It's like, what are you talking about? But then they come up as like, uh, I keep like betting on for. things in the background. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Stuff. they like bet for yours and whenever he fights. Uh, and, and Hakushubo is like their bark is worse than their bite. Yeah, like yeah. insinuating they probably weren't going to do anything. <laughs> They're yeah. just scaring you. Uh, those guys are funny, um, and then yeah, just general like citizens in the town. Uh, one thing that was also funny is the kind of contrast between Kumatetsu's eventual pupils and Yozen's pupils. Like you have all these, I guess, just kind they of look like, like nerds. Yeah, like underdogs of like. This is a human kid, and he's so strong. Like, the ostensibly humans don't have the, the strength or the ability to be this strong. So if this kid can be this strong, like, maybe I, some nerd, <laughs> can train under this guy and also be strong. Yeah, yeah. And so his his crew is all... is uh, Just a bunch of nerds. Yeah, big contrast between Yosin's pupils. How would you describe Yosin's pupils? Uh, I don't know. I mean, they look standard or, or just like competent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you see them and you're like, yeah, these look like strong yeah. dudes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, I think uh, when you brought up that uh, Yozin doesn't have that support, it's like, yeah, everybody is looking to him. 
so he has no one to look to or yeah. to, or to you know be uh, equal with yeah yeah if an executive came up to you and said i'm going to give you a bunch of money and you need to make this as a live action film how would you go about it um and how would you try to make that a worthwhile endeavor how would I make that a worthwhile endeavor? I mean, and also, how do you feel about my reframing of this question? <laughs> I, I, yeah, I think that's a more engaging in terms of discussion. Um, Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you can you can get CG. Ah, see, now, now I ruined it for myself by thinking if they went like a cat's direction and that made me just like curl up inside. <laughs> Um, yeah, I just don't know how you're going to make the, the, the Beast World characters look good. I mean, you, you have the, and not creepy or not uncanny valley or not too CG. I don't know. Well, I'm, I mean, it's just going to be, you could go for more of like some sort of cell shaded, like they're, they're not supposed to look realistic, but Mm, I would think they would go, uh, Lion King realistic like right. too much detail <laughs> hate it they would go they would go ugly sonic just like bad <laughs> um, dale in the chip and dale movie yes alvin and the chipmunks yes i think that's that's probably what would happen and it would be very upsetting uh if they did a cell shaded one that would be great because then i think you could do the uh transformations in a more <laughs> a way that wouldn't be terrifying it's definitely like a lot of CGI expense and artistry if you're going to just do straight at what this had. Yes. Uh, I think because of how that would swell the budget, you're almost certainly going to have to focus more on the human-human stuff. Yeah, and that would be to a detriment because the point of the film is is Ren and Kumitetsu's relationship. And, yeah. you know, them to each other. And so that could be at the expense of the other part of that relationship. Yeah. And I so would not want to miss that. And because it was, it was so. I mean, the the movie's named after their relationship. Yeah. I mean, but, but I love the progression. I love that it didn't, so many times we'll talk about things and, and it's almost like they skip a beat or you feel like, how did they get from this point to this point? And, and then, you know, or that doesn't make sense. I don't feel like it would, the, the, it was so fluid, the progression of the relationship, I guess is what I'm saying. And even, even the progression of the development that Ren really, um, and his almost hero journey or, or I say hero, not, but, but his, his journey to, to start to become, who he is, um, and find himself. I don't know. I just, I, and again, the relationship was just so wonderful. I just, I would hate to lose any of that. And then, you know, combine a lot of things and, and rush it. Cause I, cause I feel like that's what would be more likely than not to happen is their relationship and the development and the progression of it. It's going to have to rushed. be truncated. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, it's certainly not, making this live action is certainly not impossible, but it kind of feels like, like you, it just kind of feels like you picked the wrong medium to mm-hmm. do that. It, it doesn't, there's, there's some action in here, but a lot of what it is, is either just so cartoony or over the top in other ways that it, it's kind of like defeating again, the purpose of 
what real is what what live action does is bring at least some sense of realism and so if you want to pull away from that there's a lot of things you have to do to fight against that and that can result in something interesting but i'm not sure that it is at all helpful to this film i don't i think you'd just be fighting against against the core concepts for this one i i don't know i i don't know it's hard it's very hard to envision with especially without it looking hokey either by either by like bad cgi or trying to do like actual costumes and stuff but you're not going to be able to get as good of a range of emotion necessarily or it's just going to look like a guy with makeup on like you could do it it takes some talented people and it's like can you do it for everyone in a way that makes it fun and then also holds up during fight scenes and stuff i don't know um i think i think i think this was in the correct medium you know what i'm saying i don't know yeah i agree uh brief notes on sound design the composer is masakatsu takagi and um, I think it was generally great music. Um, I didn't pay attention to it a whole lot, but there was a particular part where it stood out to me, which was the escalating like drums and music when Kamatetsu and Yozen start arguing in the middle of the town square. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's just kind of like it's cutting back and forth between them like rapidly and the drums are just getting like louder and louder and like some guitar or something starts coming into um, some great music there. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it. It seemed great and like it fit appropriately throughout. So good job. Let's go to the part that our podcast is named after. How's it hold up? <laughs> I don't know. You sometimes don't know. your hands go up, but this time it went like out and back in. <laughs> I mean, it's from like seven years ago. So I mean, it's already been that long. I know, yeah, twenty fifteen. Same year, Life is Strange came out. Apparently, <laughs> um, really weird to think about. I was because I wasn't even in college. Really weird to think about. Anyways, I mean, I, I think pretty well. Yeah. Um, this is certainly the story is definitely more focused on men, but there is at least one important woman in here, and another one that's fairly important, even if she's minimal and just someone's memories and stuff. But yeah, I mean, it's it's. I don't know. Yeah, I guess that that is interesting uh, that we didn't bring up in characters in terms of Ren, Ren's mom and kind of like her function within the film. Yeah. She shows up mostly in the beginning. Yeah, I I, I guess if I watched it again, I would I would look and try to try to kind of understand more about when she comes up and why. Yeah. Uh, but that doesn't have to do with this section, so. No, but I mean, it, it feels like it holds up pretty well. Yeah, um, yeah, I agree. Yeah, and I mean, I I didn't, and even with the character and character designs, I don't feel like there was, there was like a big use of tropes or anything, I mean, or a use of tropes. I don't think it, you know. I'll, I'll have to talk about it in spoilers. Um, I think there was some CGI usage towards the end that I wasn't like the hugest fan of. I think it overall worked pretty well, um, but... I think I maybe would have preferred if they'd tried a different method or just did something a little different with it. Um, but overall, there there's definitely some CG in, in here, but mostly it 
blends well and is probably not even noticeable to most people. So I mostly noticed it in like crowd scenes and stuff. I would be like, ah, oh, there's some crowd people there that are definitely CG. Um, but no, I mean, it looks it looks good. It wasn't made that long ago. So Yeah, and I don't even really remember, but it wasn't relevant, say, like technology or certain types of phones or anything like that, really, that, yeah, that no, was really. relevant. So yeah, I, I'd say it holds up well. All right, let's go on to our spoiler alert. Skip to one hour, 16 minutes, and 47 seconds. So a lot happens here in the spoiler section. Ah. <laughs> um, oh. So yeah, you get to the point where Kubatetsu wins, and then I'm like looking, and I'm like, there's like a pretty significant portion of movie that's still here. <laughs> um... I want to say probably at least a third of the movie left at that point. Uh, can um, I say something before you reveal, like, the big reveal sure. here? Is I was suspicious at the beginning that one of, sorry, the, the, the boar, uh, the, the, the rival. Eosins, yeah. Um, that, ha- that has two sons. And one of them looked very human. Ichiro Hiko. Um, yeah, looked very human to me. And... I wondered if he if he was human. And then I also found it not only kind of hypocritical for him to say to initially n- not let Kumatetsu um, have, have Ren as a pupil because his big thing was humans, you can't because humans have that darkness in their heart and that can overtake everything and could destroy. I don't Do know you think the Lord, uh, the Lord Master or whatever his name is. Maybe do you think he like almost certainly already knew at that point, and it's, that's certainly. part of why he's like, yeah, but, "Dude, I'm not gonna punish this guy yeah, for doing the thing that you not did." Not just it, that; it's just like the the gall, right? Of, like, oh, this kid will be fine. I'm raising him, but this guy, he's a mess. Right? And if he raised this kid, it would be a disaster. So yeah, yes. one of his two sons is like a pretty boy who doesn't have like obvious. Animal Pests. features yeah. like his brother does. But it always Strong. wears a hat. One of those hats right. with the ears on it that, you know, with the right. long kind of scarf. And so, you know, then as he gets older, he's like covering his face up a whole lot for some reason. And there comes a, a point where um, after Ren goes and has like a nice lunch or something with the younger brother, Jiromaru. I don't know if he's younger. With the other brother, Jiromaru. Uh, then as he leaves, Chirohiko's uh, like, I'll take, I'll escort him out. But then he, after they're a ways away, he like starts like kicking him and stuff and like oh, beating yeah. him up. Um, and then, so we haven't really talked about it, but there's the thing about the, the darkness within humans manifests um, in the terms of a literal like hole surrounded by darkness in the center of their chest and the darkness expands and covers them if as the more that they can kind of give into that basically um and so it's at that scene as he's walking away Rin sees that this guy has that hole too and i don't think we like a hundred percent for sure know that only humans could do that but it's kind of like real sus and like wait i thought that was a human thing question mark um so yeah that comes up again <laughs> after uh kumatetsu wins uh and also that sword that got uh that flew into the back of the grandmaster's chair or whatever um is then used telepath to be telepathically thrown into kumatetsu uh because ichirohiko 
is uh, like, no, there's no way this guy can win because he's well, like you said, he's, be- he's, he's being helped by a human, and humans are awful and terrible because he's basically in like super deep denial about being human and like mad about his whole circumstance. Well, basically. not only that, but he also calls not only Ren but also. Um, Kometsu, uh, like riffraff, you know, kind yeah. of like, and again, that's where the one kind of classism comes because it's right. like, you know, you know, we're again, they're very wealthy. Their their house they show, and and we're kind of like we're royalty. Y'all are peasants. Y'all are street yeah. rats. You can't. He thinks they deserve to yeah. win, and he is also very upset about other things in his life that he's in denial of, and so he takes all that rage out by attacking Kometsu, um, and then Ren almost gives in to hit his dark hole or whatever and almost kills Ichiro Hiko but pulls back uh, right before because he sees the the red ribbon thing around his wrist Uh, but then Ichiro Hiko leaves and so then it's like we gotta find this guy and we gotta stop him or whatever but he turns completely he lets yeah he gets completely consumed by the darkness and then like just disappears um and so then the end part of the movie is like needing to deal with him, like because he's gonna in the human potentially world, cause a lot of of damage and hurt or whatever. I don't think he intends to necessarily. Yes, we're definitely gonna fight in the human world, but that is what happens. I think he goes there to give his book or whatever and to be like stay safe kind of thing. But then that's where Chirohiko, Chirohiko decides to attack, and he turns into a huge well. Um, like, because he, he sees, he sees the, book. the book, he sees the book, but it's, it's so neat. I, I wanted to say this when we were talking about animation, it's, it's amazing how they make his, did we say chi or, or, or his telekinetic manifest in, um, it's so beautifully done. It almost to me looks like mercury, but made from water. And, and just, you know, so just that it kind of like moves like you would like with mercury, but then it, it, it's like water, you know, sprouting all around and, or, or, or being in, in, in a well or crashing down or doing something. And you hit yourself in the face. <laughs> and well, it's also at one point really ominous because when he's in a well form, you see him and you see an aerial view of him underneath like the street and the city and things. And so it's amazing what they do Be- with shadows. Before he goes whale form, though, I do really love, like, the creepy way that his face is drawn while he's, like, attacking in the middle of um, Shibuya. Uh, just, like, is that the... fully for- uh, far gone kind of thing. Yeah, and it, it eventually goes to, like, faceless with the, his hat kind of serving as... Yeah, and just, like, the creepy kind of smile mm. thing and stuff. And the this is also when the camera thing comes in because when he's in whale oh, yes. form, it's a shadow on the street. What the cameras see is just uh, a Chirohiko in the street, so yeah. it doesn't pick up all of this kind of all the whale stuff, darkness energy that he is wielding. Yeah, yeah. But interestingly, also- supposedly, sorry, don't lose your train of thought. I'm so sorry. Some of the people though report seeing a whale or yeah. a shadow of a whale, so that's interesting because right. they can people can see it apparently. And then I think, you know, so I've never personally read Moby Dick, but my understanding about it is that it's about like giving into obsession and and negative thoughts and stuff being all like focused on this whale that becomes an object of like all the problems that Moby Dick is Moby Dick the whale or no, it's Ishmael that Ishmael like has or whatever. So I think 
in this in this with this metaphor, despite taking the form of a whale, Ichirohiko is arguably more of of an Ishmael in this situation, giving in to all these thoughts and having it drive him to do uh, bad things and potentially to his own end ultimately. In the in the movie, Kaede talks about it and she talks about Moby Dick being a mirror to Ishmael. So yeah, yeah it's just falling within what they were kind of establishing within the film as well. I do need to scoot back a little bit though, because I wrote a quote here, which is, it makes you proud, huh? It makes you proud. Can someone explain what that is? <laughs> so the t- the two friends, and I won't say their names right, but the one that looks <laughs> like a monk, um, the, the pig guy that looks like a monk, and then the monkey guy, the other friend, um, they're at the bedside um, of uh, Kometetsu, who is unconscious, you know, after being stabbed. And Ren wakes up having, you know, like dreams and dreaming about um, Kumatetsu. I think they were like uh, doing their practice or fighting or, or, you know, or something. Um, But so you see that you see the scene and ultimately what comes of that. Sorry, I thought I was going to make it. um, But what comes of it is they realize or I don't don't remember if Ren voices it initially, but the difference that he sees between himself and um, at a Achirohiko is that he was raised by he had three people that raised him he had people that like that were well-rounded I mean like meaning everyone kind of together gave him what he needed so that like that emptiness that hurt inside him didn't grow and that he was able to to have more of that that balance of that love and so they initially think they try to stop him because he is going to go and try to find uh and hyakushubo even has a moment where he breaks character and like shouts at him to like not basically not do this like not to to seek vengeance or whatever yeah because they think he's going to seek vengeance but he comes back to them and he lets them know no i'm i'm not trying to seek vengeance i feel basically responsible because kind of like the defect that's in me as a human is what's in him and i i need to to help him in essence you know um, and, and so there's a tearful farewell where Tatara in, in particular is being really uh, sad and tearful about it, which is in contrast to he was like basically the last one of the three to actually warm up to Ren yeah. for a long time. He kept being like, just like ditch this, yeah, he's like, this boy. Like, I don't he, want him here. But... Yeah, he's yeah. he's annoying, bird burr. But at this point, he's like sobbing as he's trying to leave. So yeah. he cares. But then when they go back in and, and join, you know, after at, Ren is at, left at, at, at Kumatetsu's side um, is they realize that they help parent Ren, and yeah. that they were all just three talking about kind how he's his how he's grown and 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 yeah, and how much of a you know a young you know wonderful young man basically he's grown into, and then it makes you proud, and then the, the it makes you proud. It makes you proud, huh? And he's like, it makes you proud. It was so. basically basically yeah. Tatara like kind of has a thing where he's he's talking a little negatively about Ren and like how he's grown, almost like he's annoyed by all of it, but like that's clearly not quite the case and and then Hyakushubo is like after after that is like it makes you proud huh um all these things that you're listing as if they're annoyances and and Tatar is like makes you proud yeah it's yeah. Yeah, beautifully done 
Uh, but yeah, so so the final confrontation stuff um, is uh, Ichiro Hiko's mostly being a whale, <laughs> um, and <laughs> and Ren is like, thinks that the only thing that he can do is like take all of Ichiro Hiko's darkness into him and then like stab it with a sword and kill them both to to stop this, which is obviously like. No, and, no one else wants that plan to happen. And Kaede has stayed at at Ren's side because she's she, refused to run she's, and leave. Yeah, refused to, to, and even though she's scared, and I, and at one point she even um, stands up to um, Achiro Hiko, Achiro Hiko, um, and basically saying like, "You're giving in to this thing that we as humans, like me, everyone shares. Kind of like you're not unique in that. We all share that, but we fight it, and are we, you know, we hold it at bay, and you're just giving into it. You can't win. I'm, you know, kind of like you, you know, kind of like you don't deserve to win. You, you know, you can't win. Got to talk about Kubatetsu and what he's doing at this point too, because he does regain consciousness and f- finds out what's happening. Oh yes, yes. He then goes and pleads with the bunny lord um, to, uh, and even though, again, he's not in any physical shape, but he is literally mustered up the, the strength to get out of bed and, and, and go there. And he says he basically wants to uh, to help. He knows that, basically, that, that if Ren has a hole as a human, he wants to be able to fill that hole. Um, but he wants to ascend to godhood um, instead, you, I don't know. I, and everyone, how, everyone's like, "How can he do that? You have to be a lord to do it." Well, and then it's like he's already been made a yes, lord. Yes, he is a lord, and um, and so yeah, you're not sure how that's going to manifest itself, but right when you think that Ren when, is going to be yeah. defeated by the whale, or when or, you think or, that uh, he's going to suck the whale, oh in, yeah, basically. yeah, because he's sucking in and, and going to stab, you know, kill them, kill them both uh, himself, and then all of a sudden this this fire sword or you know sword comes crashing like in front i don't know is that just freeze time i don't remember kind of what it doesn't freeze time but it kind of it it pushes the whale back okay okay and and then also up on the balcony whatever you a lot of the people from the beast world but basically they they let him know that um um kumatetsu kumatetsu has turned himself into this sword of fire and that he wants to be the sword in Ray's heart. Um, fill Ren. that void in Ren's heart. Sorry. Fill and be that sword in his heart to listen to, to always be there. And so, yeah. Um, and so then he does, he takes the sword and, um, and, and, and it goes into that black hole. And as it does, as it keeps going into that black hole, it, that, that black hole starts disappearing and disappearing and disappearing. Until and then Ren defeats gone. the evil whale and that, uh, knocks Ichiro Hiko out. And he seems, he comes to later and, and seems to be doing okay as his family is there at his bedside waiting for him or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Ren ultimately ends up um, making the decision to to stay in the human world, and he it said that he never fights again. I, I don't think they clarify for sure if he ever goes back to the other world, but he doesn't fight anymore with his with his sword or whatever, despite being great with his sword. Um, but he basically seems to try to kind of start over and have a new life there in the human world with his dad and with Kaede and everything. But you know, I think what kept me from just being so so heartbroken is that. At least it, it it feels like that um, Kumatetsu can Kumatetsu can still talk to Ren uh, because it, it like he hears him or in his mind or something because 
they're with each other and, 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 and there's still kind of that little back and forth. And but also Ren talked some to his mother who's dead. So there's a little bit of ambiguity there of yeah. how you want to read it, of if it's literal or not. Um, but regardless, well, I'm he's said it. But I mean, you, I think, yeah, I think there is enough there that you can read it as literal, but I think you can yeah. read it how you want. Yeah. Um, but regardless, but he's, he's literally in, he's literally in, there in his, heart. in his heart and it's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, okay. A few things. Uh, <laughs> one, the, uh, I liked the contrast between, uh, Ichiro Hiko's kind of shadow being represented by water like you mentioned before, but uh, Kumitetsu is, is fire and kind of the, the contrast there. Mm, uh, yeah. I guess in in both senses, either kind of element can be used for good or bad. Like you can be consumed by fire or like uh, or in, drown this, in, water. in this sense brought into the depths of, of shadow, which was happening to Chirohiko. But, but I thought that was, you know, interesting. Uh, but but yeah, like this turned into maybe the the fire of Ren's heart. Um, so that was cool. Uh, second, early on in the film, they I think it was those three those three punks were talking about those guys. You know what would what would uh, Kumutetsu be as a god? Like oh, he'd be some artifact god, like of of a toilet or something. And so I thought that was a nice callback of like okay, yeah, he's an artifact god of this. You know, really cool sword. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, and this is gonna be hard to say. You can do it. <sighs> okay. So I loved that. <sighs> Sorry, that the film had. Um, they had uh, Ren help Kumitetsu, like achieve what he wanted, which was, uh, which was fighting Eozen and, and beating him. And so, like, once he completed that, I thought that it was, you know, sad but but fitting for Kumidatsu to be able to, to be able to be with Ren, like, and eventually achieve whatever he wants. So, like, sorry, I was keep thinking about it and I was trying to not do this, but... But, yeah, so, like, you have the, the function of the film is Ren is there to complete Kumitetsu in that way and he you know beat Eozen became the lord and he, he wasn't able to be lord for long but you know what they were able to do after kind of that flip that mirror is now Kumitetsu can be with Ren and since he's so young he doesn't know what he wants like whatever he wants to do Kumitetsu will be there and that's really nice it's beautiful and I don't know I don't remember who said it but I don't remember if this was Kumitetsu to uh, to Ren, but actually Kumitetsu um, did voice when he's like, "Why do you want to be Lord?" Uh, I mean, and you know, you you want to be Lord, and he's not. He's like, "No, I don't really care about being Lord. I just want to beat whatever that guy's Yosin, name was." Yeah, yeah. So I, like you said, I I think that's just beautiful in the sense that that being Lord was not his goal. His goal was accomplished in becoming Lord by beating, you know, uh, beating the other guy and becoming Lord. And then also be, by becoming Lord, even though that being Lord itself was not his goal, that enabled him to, to ascend to Godhood, to, to be able to save Ren and then be with Ren. Yeah. 
I don't want to exist here in spoilers too much longer because we're running long and it's warm. Yeah. But I do need to call out Yozen for being a bad parent. Totally, <laughs> yeah. To specifically a bad parent to his adopted son oh, and yes. just being like, yeah, you're totally going to grow animal stuff. And you're totally an animal, and you're my son, and definitely not a human. He's like, they say, like, what am I? And he's like, you're my son. And it's like, that is It's like, that's good, but you do have to tell him that he's a human also. Because you're really messing with his head right now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was really sad. Yeah. Oh, and and, at one point when Yozin's talking with the, I think the Grand Lord, but uh, the, the other son was like, Basically, like, I'm not smart. What's going on? And I'm like, oh, oh baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh. All right. No more spoilers. Let's go on to favorites and least favorites. What was your least favorite scene in the movie? If it's in spoilers, be vague. Oh, what is my least favorite scene? I might just say, um, because it's going to be, it would be hard to pick, but maybe the punk kids um, uh, bullying um, Kaede. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. Because they were just jerks, and there was nothing very redeeming about them. Yeah, I mean, this is a really solid film overall, so it's hard to choose. But yeah, I guess I'll agree with that. I think so, too. Yeah. What was your favorite scene in the movie, if it's in spoilers, be vague? Ugh. This is oh, also this hard, is because so there's hard. so many good scenes. I think, I think for me, I'm going to go with them going on a journey and meeting the masters or whatever. It was just fun seeing the different designs and different things that the masters were focused on and having them bond some over a trip and stuff. Uh, this is hard. Okay. I like, I like the initial training scene where they kind of establish, Oh, he's not a good teacher. Yeah. But then I also like when they, uh, Ren is like, can't, can hold his own because he's memorized his steps and then it kind of transitions to that montage where yeah. they're back and forth of it's really uh, good. Uh, Kumitetsu training Ren, but then also Ren training Kumitetsu. Like, he's, like, tied up. Uh, that's that's delightful. It's very good. Yeah, and, and mine is just almost right there. I think the moment that Ren is doing the dishes and he realizes that he can um he he can do the footwork of uh Kumotetsu without even seeing him and which then leads into that montage which i love um where again they're they're basically teaching each other yeah I just loved that who was your least favorite character in the movie <sighs> is it a chirohiko I think it's Yozen because I feel like everything's his fault. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's But fair. I do enjoy him. I don't, yeah, I don't know. To me, I'm sorry. It's, and he did redeem redeem himself. Well, I want to say the father, but it wasn't, I know it wasn't his fault. And he had <laughs> He's a good just reason. some guy. But, well, no, but initially, because I feel like he just, he just didn't. He just wasn't sensitive enough Your to... feelings are valid and you can say it's him. Yeah, no, I was going to say it was to me because I disliked... I, I was going to say this... I loved all these characters, but I guess I disliked him the most initially until, you know... Because, again, I feel like he just kind of broke Ren's heart um, and got his hopes up that he just didn't... He wasn't perceptive enough. And I know he didn't know Ren because he hadn't been around him, but still it's like, come on, sense that your kid, this is, don't tell him, yeah, come and come, you know, full force and then be like, yeah. oh, well, no, I'm not quite ready for you yet. I, I know I joke, I, 
I think it is a Chirihiko for me, though. Yeah, I yeah. think, I think more. I'm sympathetic towards him. And again, we need to be very vague because spoilers. I'm sympathetic towards him, um, but I just enjoyed the stuff with him the least. And, like, whenever he was introduced and he's like, oh, what did he say? Don't fight him. He gave him a really backhanded, like, oh, he's so weak or something. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, like, and then... Uh, yeah, it was pity, not like good nature right um and then in the at the house when he escorted Ren out and he he was a jerk there too it's like yeah he's 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 going through stuff and i'm sympathetic but ultimately enjoyed having to watch him go through that yeah at least yeah i was thinking for some reason because again the the names that you were talking about his father so i think i'm gonna jump board i'm gonna abandon (laughs) I'm going to bend and run's father and say him too, because yeah, because again, I just feel like he was, I don't know. He, he was just, he was just a rotten person. It, well, I say rotten person, but sorry. I didn't like how he treated others. Yeah. And I think a lot of the bad things he do, he does can still be blamed on Yozen for raising him the way he did. Yes. But I just ultimately enjoyed watching Yozen as a character more. So yeah, yeah, and because because in one sense he was classist and and he was like he was <laughs> yeah. like enti- this this feeling of entitlement and you don't just dis- you know and, yeah you know, I'm so eat much the rich. <laughs> so who is your favorite character? This is going to be very tough for me. Oh my gosh, because here, here, sorry, it's, I love so many of the characters, but to me, sorry, I love Chico, I mean, yeah, <laughs> I love Ren, I absolutely love Ren, and I absolutely love uh, Kumatetsu, so man, I If don't you know. pick Chico, I'm going to push you over. I'm not going, I mean, sorry. Chico's it, it adorable, is, I, He but... is adorable, I know, I'm good, it's, it's, it's the real, the real contest is between, of course, Ren and I think I'm, uh, Kumatetsu. I'm going to go Kumatetsu. I think I have to also. He's just, he's so vibrant and full of life and just like his facial expressions and yeah, I think I have to go with him. Yeah. Well, then I will stand strong and I will go with Ren because I do adore Kumatetsu, but I love the growth and the journey. Yes. Ren went on and the person that he became and even from the time he was 17 on, I just loved his character and how he treated everyone that he encountered. You know what I mean? And, um... And how he looked at the world and, and how he was, how really appreciative he was of uh, once he recognized and and maybe something that didn't occur to him or whatever came, he was just nothing but appreciative. And I just think I adore him. If Tim Curry were in the dub, which I'm pretty sure he is not, <laughs> who would he voice? Uh, one of the sages. Oh, you think so? Mm. Yeah. Interesting. That is not where I went with it. Were you thinking more, I don't know. I think he could do either Yozen or, and keep, keep with me here, Kumatetsu. I think he could be really fun as Kumatetsu. Mm. Okay. Just like the loud, boisterous Tim Curry, you know? Sure. The Leaning a little more towards the... the the Bina of father parts of Treasure Island. Tim yes, Curry. yes. I I was gonna say I I think of his Long John Silver for Curry, which is like, the best. And like think of him like doing that like loud mm-hmm. Tim Curry laugh mm-hmm. as Kumatetsu. Yeah. What if he's you one know? of the uncles? I'm gonna call them uncles. <laughs> um, maybe it doesn't fit as well for me. Yeah, yeah okay. no, but I I love I love. I still I, think my and, 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 and then I think if he played Yozen, then he he. I think we would like the character less because I think he'd really he'd play him probably very 
more pompous or something. Yeah, more pompous and snobby. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but no. But I, I, I like him as Kumitetsu. Yeah, that's my vote too. All right, let's go on to our overall consensus and what we would rate it. Of course, highly recommend this. Highly recommend, it so definitely. Good. Um, oh, rating. Um, all right, of course, definitely recommend. This was very good. And yeah, uh, shortcomings. I mean, I think the story was was really solid. Uh, the characters really well fleshed out. Uh, the journeys that they go to, go through, really impactful. Yeah, I'll give this a five. Absolutely recommend. Um, I'm just toying between a 4.75 and a 5, just because it's not that... Just for rewatchability, this is... I just... It's so emotional, and it's such... I don't know. Totoro, I could see almost, you know, once a month or something. (laughs) I love it so much. Um... I know this is really hard because, I mean, it is of beautiful animation, no isms, um, incredible characters. What the heck? I'm going to have to go five. It is just beautiful. Beautiful story. It's wonderful. I definitely recommend it. This might be a little bit of a surprise to you guys because I feel like I haven't been very negative on here. I like this movie, but I don't love it. I'm going to give it a four. Okay. I don't know what it is, but something with the pacing and just some of how it unfolds doesn't click with me enough for me to do higher than that. Um, But I think it's great. I think it's a great movie. uh, And I did very much enjoy it. It's just not a favorite, I would say. Yeah, I don't know. I liked it a lot, though. Yeah, no, yeah, that was my hesitation. Thank you all very much for listening. Thank you so much. And I would love for you to join me, you all. Um, Come and visit me on and watch my live uh, Twitch stream every Tuesday at 7 p.m. CST. I am streaming Witcher 3. And come join me on Wednesdays in the summer of 2022 um, or check me out on YouTube afterwards. I will be having special bonus content. Um, check me out on YouTube to see the Q&A uh, that's coming up. But um, but then be checking out for the, the months of June and July of 2022, the Stanley Parable Deluxe Edition um, will be special in addition to my Tuesday stream of Witcher 3. Very exciting. Looking forward to that. Next time we will be... <laughs> watching a movie with blue space people and a lot of music (laughs) not eiffel 65 it's not the eiffel 65 music video (laughs) 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 so please join us next time thank you bye y'all love y'all bye this has been how's it hold up with danica juarez and jan james you can find our podcast on Twitter at How's It Hold Up Pod. That's with each word capitalized and no apostrophe. Also, if you'd like to support us, we have a Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com slash user question mark U equals 2790566. Every little bit helps, and even with a minimum pledge, you get access to things you won't hear in our main podcast feed. Check it out for more info. The two pieces of music used in this episode were created by Kevin McLeod. You can find both The Curtain Rises and Cool Cats at incomptech.com. That's I-N-C-O-M-P-E-T-E-C-H dot com. 
Both songs were licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. More info on that can be found at http colon slash slash creativecommons.org slash licenses slash by slash 3.0. Thanks for listening! Narsty. What? I just pointed at mom and said nasty, like a <laughs> like a regular person does. Okay. Like a cool person does. Why are you gonna make somebody else say it when they're probably gonna cry doing it? Because they're gonna cry doing it. <laughs> you can do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs>